Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Okay, one, two, three. Sorry. Well, <laughs> Cassie just knocked. Did you just forget? I to just talk? I clapped, and then I realized it wasn't loud enough, so I clapped again myself. Perfect. And then I was like, "Well, that makes no sense." Have fun with that. Yeah. But okay, we can we try that one more time? One, two, three. Great. Beautiful. Happy. I'm in a box. I'm so. I'm very excited. First of all, how are you? And secondly, I'm excited about my. What I'm going to tell you. Oh right, Uh, love it. I'm better now that I hear that you're excited. I'm really excited. Forgot to tell you. I'm. I'm. I'm trying to speak quite um, calmly because I'm in the sound booth and there's another recording going on, so I'm not going to sound like myself today. But I will tell you in this lovely sultry tone that um, I booked a fuckload of Botox yesterday, like an <gasps> offensive amount of Botox into my face for the first time, hitting up every single area of my face. I'm not going to be able to move it at all. Oh my god, Cassie! Like, give us a yeah. tour of the face. Where are you getting? What are you getting? Um, so the plan is I'm going to get it uh, between the eyebrows, which is the only thing I actually really wanted to get done. But then when I was on the website, I was introduced to something called gummy smile Botox, which is where <gasps> they relax your, the muscles around Wait, it's gummy, gummy smile Botox. Very technical term, gummy smile. Yeah, so where they relax the muscles around your mouth so that you can't see your gums when you smile. And then I was like, whilst we're down there, we might as well slim up the face with a bit of the jaw Botox. <laughs> Uh, what about a bit of lip filler as you're, as you're at it if you're down there? Or do no, because if we remember, if we can remember back to circa 2018, I tried lip injections and they did not suit me. <laughs> do we have, did we ever get a, a picture of that? We don't have a picture of that. We have a picture when I um, experimented with the Kylie lip plumping thing. That's true. And um, I will share that with you in the chat. <laughs> Somebody, uh, the host, has disabled my video, I presume as an act of... Uh, passive aggression of vengeance that was uh me i've that disabled my i'm sorry i disabled my uh, all the video 
my own video. I must have disabled it all. Hang on. It's fine. I mean, I, do that? I like looking at you guys. Um, it's probably for the best that I can't see me. I'm just trying. Uh, guys, I'm trying not to see myself for my own. Oh, hide that. Yeah. I do love You're a beautiful hide Beautiful Jennifer. Pardon no. me. Pardon me. Any like kind of low key creeps of the week? Because some of the bigger, heavier creeps of the week are just too much. Way too heavy. I agree. Fucking and again, way too heavy. Creeps of the yeah, there's a lot of hardcore creeps of the week that we should just glaze right over. I think it's and too instead, depressing. Mm. It's very it depressing. And people depressing. come here for a bit of escapism. It's not our it's not our remit, I suppose. To start video. You got are you back? No, that's grand. Oh yeah, here we go. Asking you to start. Sorry, sorry about that. Uh it's a problem. I, I um, have to say, it's absolutely sick. I gotta give myself and looking at ourselves on a screen. The creeps of the week. Yeah. Are you But I'm not going to look like that? this for much longer. You're not going to look like not that for much longer. Not after the 21st of April. Maybe that's <laughs> yeah. what we should all be doing. Different. So is it open again on the 21st of April? Um, from what I can gather, it's open now because this is a medical necessity. Are you <laughs> uh, the jaw thing. The jaw thing is for those who clench your jaw. So I actually do clench my jaw an awful lot. Now, Spade is spade. That's not the reason I booked it. I booked it for aesthetic reasons. But if I can get by and telling people it's because I clenched my jaw, then I shall. Uh, yes. You deserve this. I just Cass. want to be You're the gorgeous. creep of the week. I'm worried yeah, about I am. you, Cass. I am. I do, we're not going to be able to recognize you. No, that's the plan. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Any uh, personal creeps? <clears throat> COVID cop. Personal creeps. Now, I've just been wading through my own creeps in my own list of, you know, you know how you save things as they come in. And I had been saving a thing that I thought, Cassie, you would do. It kept coming in on the week it was announced in the news into our DMs. And I was like, bet you Cassie will do that. And it was, I don't have the details. One of us needs to do it. It happened in China and it's a woman getting married to her betrothed gentleman who like, and then the day of the wedding around the same time, her mother discovers that that <gasps> guy it's, it's is her long fact, lost it's son. her long lost sibling yeah i yes. heard this i heard sibling this. wow so, that's a close blood relative isn't it wow. and i don't have i haven't even done a top line have you did you even come across this no i only came across it in the last day or two people yeah. sent it on to me oh fucking hell it's not my creep um, this week so i don't have the information but Jesus, we'll come back and teaser. do a proper one but somebody teams. said in the DMs as well, and they're probably right. It's that one child rule that's come around and fucked every. Oh my god! Sorry, the photograph of Cassie's lips has just come in. Oh, I have. Yeah, it's gorgeous. It. Oh, here we go. Cassie, who am I looking so at? I'm not. I'm not getting lip fillers anymore. Sorry, I'm it, getting. Oh, am I looking at lip fillers? No, that's the Kylie Jenner lip. You remember the, the lip oh, the thingy sucking, where you used to suck you on suck a thingy? suck on the end of a bottle. I remember doing that as a kid. <laughs> but the lip Do you remember that? You sucked on like, distance. Cassie, this looks exactly how many who have taken the lip filler just a shade too far. And I'm not one to judge because I desperately want them. But you know the way, like, if they've gone a bit, like, you know, to the 2.5 mil up and down, that can, that yeah. can lead to a bit of... But uh, I'm not doing that. Fishy, fishy I'm just relaxing... Now. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to relax the muscles around my mouth so that I can, you cannot see my gums when I smile. And then that coupled with my new brand that I shall not mention 
oral hygiene kit. Really fucking gorgeous. <laughs> you sound I've been like you're already looking at myself. Of some kind of relaxing. I'm just trying to be quiet so that somebody else can record a podcast next. Your week. Pod sabotaging them. is the best one. <clears throat> yes. Yes. Sabotage the other ones. Set fire to the rest. Okay. Um, I love them all equally. This, like shout, shout talk is pretty. Yeah, interesting. Great. It's, it's all gold. All no, I want to get on and filler. tell you my story because I've got a great story this week. Can I do a Classic. tiny bit of patron plugage? Oh, yeah, please. Yeah, because our patrons are coming in thick and fast. We love to see you. Little reminder that you get a personal email from me, Sophie Creep White, um, when you sign up, alerting you to the fact that there's a beautiful gift en route, a tote, a creep tote featuring Lawn Chair Larry. For everyone who signs up to our Patreon and access to over a year's worth of additional Patreon content. Like, you may never hit touch the bottom of that content uh, swamp. You may never scrape the barrel you like You could genuinely, have. it could never, fin- it could see you out in terms of COVID. Like, well, you I'll tell you this much. I got a end. comment about all the content. Oh dear. And the comment was, it's too much. Too much. Too much. I got that comment too from somebody else. Yeah. Really? Too much. Like, well, so maybe should we too much. should we remedy Just this right away? Like, by by stop, throwing out those two stories. people, they just don't. <laughs> you don't have to consume it all. Is the thing. It's just there. Should you need it? Long drive. Yeah. Walk yeah. in you the park. You never know when you're going to go into a forty-eight hour labor with a baby, and you'll be glad of it. <laughs> then, won't you? You never know. There's rarely warning. Just don't navigate away from the Patreon browser when you're in labour. <laughs> it'll stop playing. <laughs> That's um, speaking of the Patreon, Cassie, have you changed? Have you locked me out of the Patreon? I'm just trying to log I in I haven't here. done anything. So I, I can shout out to some of our brand new... Oh God, it's not letting me in. No. Nope. Anyway, look, fine. all I want to say is that, you know, you're joining. Oh, we did have an Isabella. An Isabella yesterday. Good name. Did we? I, like, I see, I love seeing the kind of great names coming in i love seeing an international address i swear to god it's not letting me back in is it totals.com right. or .ie sophie white it has been years <laughs> i.e okay it has been years we've been doing this yeah i know but you and all your ridiculous <laughs> and problematic i might add passwords <laughs> Emails. <laughs> Absolutely. It's just Cassie at talltales.ie. And as we well know, the password is. <laughs> okay, here we go. We have some amazing new names on our Patreon page. We've got an Angelica, mm. an Isabella, got mm. Philip, Leisha, mm. Jen, Laura, Hillary, Caroline. There could be only one Leslie, Jen. Lucy, Claire, Grace, Natasha. I mean, just in the last. I'm still. 48 the last few days. Lads, welcome aboard. Thank you so much. I'll be slip sliding on into your email address and uh, sending you out a lovely little tote. So and here's uh, another thing I want to say the about end the totes the you patron. receive. That's patron corner. In order for us to actually gain a profit from your patronage, you must stay longer as a patron than four Jen. months. <laughs> you Jen. must stay Jen. with us. Jen, for, for a while. sake. This Why? is an idea that hasn't occurred to them and you're obsessed with it. What do you, you mean? You are giving them the idea that you're afraid it. they will do. Sorry, Jen. we're a business over here, so our lifetime value per customer needs to be four months, guys. Please don't let us down. Don't let us down. 
Moving on. Moving on. We do have a very exciting merch announcement. Mm. The merch is back. Well, we've got some new new items or no old items are back again in stock. So wanted to put yes. it out there that if you are purchasing some creep drive merch from talltales.ie forward slash slash merch merch <laughs> and you want to buy a you know a gift like a, a beanie or a creep of the week mug or a tote for a friend or loved one you can also request a personalized message from us your favorite creeps and so we will and get in there and do it now because from next week i won't be able to move my face and deliver it <laughs> so basically cameo style you can tell us it's for your friend dawn and she has an awesome arse cracks me and up. then we'll say we'll make a little message for dawn and her arse and be like you know your body's too creepalicious for you babe or whatever <laughs> I, I don't know that's are, is new levels okay okay shill corner over what okay. have we got I have, there's a new series on Netflix. We all immediately have to watch it. And I just watched the first episode last night. I can't believe I hadn't heard about this before. It's a fucking art heist. It took place St. Patrick's Day, 1990 in Boston. I'm going to give you the lowdown without doing any spoilers. Okay. Oh, gorgeous. I also inspired by uh, the release of a new HBO documentary. I'm going deep on an incredible story, which I've called... Born Again Murderer. Ooh, that's a really, really good one. I'm, I've am i got, basically I'm torn between like what did I put on the hive slash what did I put here. So I've got like hmm. a really good story that'll make us all feel better about the fact that we can no longer travel ever full stop. That's just over. Gotcha. Or I've got um, things. Do you remember back in 2015 when everyone was live tweeting everything? Yes. Yes. And all the time. Uh, hilarious woman live tweets plain hookup. Uh, hilarious woman live tweets. Some of men those taking were... her bins out from under from her the front of her gaff. They were always oversold on fucking BuzzFeed or wherever. Fair. But there was a space. It was just a rash of people endlessly live tweeting things. And I think people got it into their heads that the live tweeting was way more entertaining than it was. Anyway, I've gathered some, some uh, you know, vintage live tweets threads. Uh, so which do you guys want for now, basically? You guys tell I me. think I absolutely uh, love a vintage thread. Yeah, vintage live tweet. But we could probably get good mileage out of that for the Patreon. Well, you guys tell yours. We'll see where we're at. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm excited. Heist and murder. Let's kick off with murder, Cass. Or we kick off with murder. 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 Um, And I'm going to have to do it all in this calm, sultry tone. So um, please, 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 we're in Sweden. Do not make a point of any of my pronunciation here. I am trying my absolute goddamn hardest. Okay. Okay. We have Swedish I know it makes... Yeah, and I know it makes no sense that I chose audio as the medium to make my money uh, when I struggle to pronounce the most basic of phrases, but I'm trying. Hamish. Is it going to come up every fucking episode? Is, is all I want to know. Because if it, it is, depends. we can talk. <laughs> right, and if you don't get that reference, um, join our Patreon. <laughs> 
gosh, I hate us. Anyway, we're in the quiet town of Nutby, Sweden. And Sweden, as you well know, is rarely rocked by scandal. In fact, in all of Sweden, the homicide rate is only about 1.1 per 100,000 people, which is very similar to Ireland. We have a homicide rate of about 0.87 for per 100,000 people. So considering the size of the population, you're having the same kind of low crime, low murder uh, lifestyle, which is a nice way to live. So on the 10th of January 2004, the town of Nuppie, which was home to a Pentecostal Christian sect, was horrified when a 30-year-old IT entrepreneur called Daniel Lind was shot in the head and chest and seriously wounded. More terrifyingly, a few doors down from the Lind home, another victim, Alexandra Fossimo, had been murdered. She was not just a normal resident of Nuppie, though. Alexandra Fosmo was the pastor's wife. The pastor, Helge Fosmo, had been called for when Daniel's body had been discovered around 4am. So as the intruder entered his own home and shot Alexandra, Helge was in an ambulance with Daniel's bleeding body oh on the God. way to the hospital. Oh no. And were the, was this yeah. all near the church? Because I didn't... I mean, the whole town revolves around the church. Okay, like, grand. And when you say, all you, you chose to call that church a sect and... As in the Pentecostal Christian sect. As in like they're a group of, you know, the the group of Pentecostal kind of not a, not a cult, but a... Sect feels cult adjacent, but I'm... It is cult adjacent. Okay. I think the official... He's in the ambulance. This is terrifying. Yeah. So he's in the ambulance as someone enters his home and shoots his wife. So Helge Fosmo had been a pillar of the community and had devoted his entire life to serving Jesus. He, someone just walked into the hallway. I'm pre- pretty sure I'm terrifying them with, um, with this. Because um, so it sounds he, like you've just said, I'm devoting my entire life to serving Jesus. Yeah. Again. Which is, was only and just that would brief, be admirable if it wasn't for all the total fucksticks who've really given that a bad name. Um, who knows? Jesus forgives. I might come back someday. Um, so Helge had originated from uh, Bjornberg in... Uh, his parents, Helge's parents were Norwegian and the family were not particularly religious. So when he was about 10 years old, Helge joined a scouting organization in the Mission and Covenant Church in Bjornberg. And just before 12, he became a born again Christian. So through his high school, he volunteered in a Christian youth cafe. And at 17, he met Helena Johnson, who would become his future wife. Then in 1989, they joined the Pentecostal Church um, and Helena also was a member. So in 1997, Helge and Helena moved to the town of Nuppie. There, and they had two children with them. Um, There, Helge began working with another church leader, Asa Waldo, to develop a training program for Christians and build this kind of Pentecostal community. Then he and Helena had a third child in Nuppie. And all was going well. But in 1999, there was a tragedy when Helge found Helena dead in the bathtub. Um, And although there was a hole in her skull and there was a light amount of toxic concentration of dextroprotemptums in her blood, (laughs) uh, it was ruled an accident. Yeah. So within a few months, Helge was dating Alexandra, who would become his second wife. Alexandra. Yeah. Alexandra was the church leader, Asa's youngest sister. 
But around this time in 1999, a young woman named Sarah Svensson moved to Nuppie. Isn't that the most Swedish name you've ever heard? Sarah Svensson. Um, she was 25 at the time. And when she arrived into the village, she got married. But the marriage dissolved after only about two years. She was seeking kind of comfort and uh, guidance from the pastor who was then 32. Um, and Helge really liked her uh, so much so that he offered her a job as a nanny for his three children. Mm. So within a couple of weeks, you know, when you like Helge, the look of a woman mm. Mm. within a couple of weeks, Helge and Sarah were having an affair and the pastor convinced the young woman that their actions were justified because they had their they were experiencing this heavenly kind of love that mm. God approved of. Of course. Yeah. However, their sort of love affair dalliance was thwarted when Helge was struck with a mystery illness that began affecting his delusions and he began having um, uncontrollable fits, which he believed was the devil attempting to attack his soul. And he turned to Sarah for comfort and Sarah seemed to be the only one who could calm him down. So she moved into his bedroom and Alexandra, his wife, moved into the guest room. Hmm. Yeah. And Sarah would later say The shit you can get away with when you just say that you know, it's cool. I ran it past Jesus. He has yeah. sanctioned this whole thing. Absolutely. Yes. So Sarah would later say in court that each night they were winning a victory for God's will through sexual intercourse. No, this that sounds really probably a the fucking way really good it. ride, though, let's say. Yeah, riding the devil out of somebody. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh I love it. God. Sorry, some bile rose in my throat there. Um, <laughs> Has anyone ever seen Nymphomaniac? <laughs> yes. No. That's your homework for this week's Creep Lads. Okay. okay. Um, so naturally the community of Christians were like, you can't do this. This is ridiculous. Like you're blatantly having an affair. And they all turned against Sarah and shut her out from the community. Oh yeah. So, Never against the man. Like, No. And the pastor, like he's the, he's like the most religious sake. man. Yeah. But for her part, Sarah really believed that she was fulfilling the will of Jesus Christ. Like um, she would later say that in the evenings I was with the minister in the bedroom where we had a sexual relationship. Otherwise, my relationship was with him with him was that I was a slave and he was my master. I had no will of my own during almost 2003. I was locked away because I was so incorrigible. God had turned his back on me and I sought mercy. So. Isolated and vulnerable, Sarah believed that Helge was the only person in the world that loved her and he would be the key to her salvation. So when the pastor began telling Sarah that God had spoken to him, Sarah believed him. Now, I talk about this all the time because this is something that happened when we see it all the time in like religious stories gone awry, is that someone believes that God is speaking to them and has not yet acknowledged that these are just thoughts that they're having. They're just normal person thoughts. It is not the voice of Jesus Christ in their heads. Mm. But Sarah believed Hellgate when he said that God was speaking to him and he said that God had special plans for Alexandra and wanted her in heaven with him and he said to Sarah that when God oh contacts God. her she should listen to him and that God oh. would basically be in touch <laughs> so a couple of days later his people are going to get in touch with your people yeah and he did a couple of days later Jesus Christ text Sarah stop it stop it yeah 
Oh my god! Okay, so, so I was gonna say, did it come in over the old waterproof Bluetooth headphone and that she had in the shower, the head speaker? But then I realized it's the late night. No, just a standard SMS. Amazing. Um, great coverage up in heaven. So. Sarah received a series of text messages on her mobile phone claiming that she should kill Alexandra. And while she was at it, she should go down the road and also shoot Daniel Lind and kill him too. So she did. Um, But she didn't kill Daniel Lind. She shot him in the face, but he survived. But on the 11th of January 2004, the day after the shooting, Sarah confessed her involvement to the police entirely. So police began investigating and discovered the relationship between Sarah and Helge and also, unsurprisingly, that the messages to Sarah had been sent by Helge himself. Two weeks later, Helge was arrested. Do you think he went into her phone, so sorry, and in her contacts changed his name, Helge, from Helge to Jesus, like when she wasn't looking? I think it was just like a classic, I had a burner phone and yeah, potentially (laughs) put the name in as Jesus Christ Superstar. a little star or, emoji after or big JC yeah <laughs> Jesus <laughs> fucking Christ um, so uh, two weeks later Helge was arrested as was Daniel Lynn's wife but she so Helge and Daniel Lynn's wife had also just been having an affair um, but she was later released with no charge and had been found to have no involvement with the murder oh my god so at the trial Sarah Svensson gave a detailed confession. She told the court that she had been influenced by the text messages that were forwarded to her by Helge. Her credibility was strengthened in a a string of erased text messages that were recovered from her mobile phone. So on the 30th of of July 2004, the sentencing here has been quite controversial. Helge was sentenced to life in prison for instigating murder and instigating a murder attempt. However, when the trial was going on, they revisited the fact that his first wife had also died in suspicious circumstances and they brought that forward as a charge. Now, he was acquitted of that murder, but it is well believed that he did, in fact, also kill his first wife. The reopening of the investigation found that there was no way she could have sustained her head injury and hole in her skull the head a casual fall. Yeah, <laughs> that she had to been hit with something, but I guess they had no way of proving that it was Maybe him she after all that time. fell speed on a bullet. Or maybe, yeah, yeah, she was like brutally beaten by someone who's instigated murder in the name of Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, so he was not convicted for killing his first wife, but he was sentenced to life in prison for instigating murder and instigating murder attempt. And Sarah Svensson was sentenced to institutionalized psychiatric care. So throughout his trial, Helge pleaded his innocence. But in a dramatic twist in 2006, the pastor admitted his involvement during a TV interview on TV's TV4. Um, and he said, I feel that I have recovered. I lived a lie and I don't want to do that any longer. He said as an explanation for giving the confession all of a sudden. And he also said that there were several other people involved in the crime, although prosecutors denied that there was any other suspects. Um, in 2007, Helge married in prison, of course. Of course. Um, never a prob for these guys. No, never. And in 2014, after serving 10 years of his life sentence, he applied to the court for his time for his time to be sentenced to be reduced, uh, which meant that he'd be eligible for parole in 2020. But in 2015, they repealed that decision, saying that he has to serve at least 24 years of imprisonment. But like, he'd be 
close to 20, what was 20, 20, 28, I think is 24 years imprisonment. Oh my God. Um, it's not long enough. No. For fuck's sake. Yeah. Um, oh. So in January 2010, a newspaper, a Swedish newspaper reported that Sarah had begun college um, in another city. Uh, so she basically went through psychiatric care and it became more and more not lenient isn't the right word. She obviously went through treatment, recovered and uh, was given more and more freedom until it's presumed that she returned to society sometime in 2010. But thankfully, under Swedish law, you can't disclose any of the details of someone who's been treated in psychiatric care upon their release. Do we know what kind of age she was when she fell under his sway? Oh, 20, 25. Very she was 25 nice. when they met. Mm. She was 26, 26 when the murder occurred. It's it's just like it must be unimaginable to have grown up like very, you know, devout and with a lot of faith and then to be told by your pastor like that you have to do all this stuff. And it's just yeah. it's such it's it's so insidious, such horrible, insidious abuse. Like, and oh, my God, the level, the level of self-serving yeah. of that man. Jesus. Disgusting. Yeah. But like he's her pastor, he's her boss. Yeah. He's, oh yeah. Know, he, she's working for him. Then he's basically he middle management, and the Lord and Jesus are the the C level. You know, where's HR? They're the CEO. Is what I want to know. CFO. And then HR is the like Mary, but the Pentecostals don't believe in Mary. They don't ah, believe in the saints. Bingo. So don't there is the bureaucracy no, of the saints. That's very interesting. No the Pentecostals no, don't yeah. believe in Mary. Do they not? Pentecostals and ev- ev- well, when I was a born again Christian, I was a cross between a Pentecostal and an evangelist, and we didn't pray to the saints. We acknowledged their existence, but not that they needed to come before Jesus. So, saints are quite a. Um, I think they're like quite a, not solely Catholic, but like it's a, a definitely a Roman thing. Whereas like the more fundamentalist Christian sects believe uh, in a direct line to Jesus Christ that you mm. would you would pray directly to Jesus and God and receive your words and wisdom from them. So they don't have holy days or like um, saints holidays and things like that. It's all about the two main, two main boyos. Hmm. That's interesting. I must have, one of my uncles is born again and um, I tend to try and avoid the topic with him, but maybe I should ask him a bit about it. Sometime. There's interesting hybrids, you know, mm. like we were Like he's Californian born again. So I imagine that's kind of like a hydroponic version of born yeah. again, maybe. Or something yeah. with a juice cleanse. Yeah, <laughs> there's different because there's like born agains who like completely disregard, not disregard, but like who believe uh, every word of the Old Testament, which, you know, that's you cannot that's very take interesting because that's very but like Judaism. Yeah, but then they, they it, it gets to a point where it's like disregarded. It's acknowledged, believed and then inconsequential in how you live your life because Jesus died for all our sins. So after that, it's completely fine so what's, uh, but do that's not interesting that's so what's amazing. the point then it's just like we know what's this happened point? we believe that that's in the past but thank god for but we Jesus. don't live we don't live our lives by the rules of the old testament like well, in fairness some of the rules of the old testament, old testament like that god like doesn't your, chime with the new testament god as much like it's no. like you know god if he was a character in a novel you'd be like not believable because why does this car why is he suddenly behaving in all these very different ways between one and the other is it like you when think, you're more well versed than me 
But like God yeah, well, in the like New Testament fearing. is very kind of, he's a harsh guy. Well, biblical, well, no, but like biblical God as a whole is like a God, like you should be a God fearing person. Like he's not a, he's not he's the like, like long friend. bearded, nice guy. Like mm. he's, he smites people, you know, he, he, the rules of the Old Testament are probably, to see them reflected in any religion, um, be hard to pinpoint, but like, the you know, the, the, man should walk in front of his wife kind of thing thou shall not eat shellfish we're yeah. all an abomination like prove yourself to sh- me Kill you yourself. can't wear cloths of two fo- woven fibers all that kind of mm. bizarre stuff that's impossible to live your life by but that the old testament stuff is where people have found license for modern day hate like that's where the homophobia is that's where the uh, misogyny is that's where the difference and mm. you know all that kind of uh, that's where the Ten Commandments are so um, yeah it's an interesting it's that's an interesting very, thing for very interesting religion cast. to take those to take those rulings um, but a lot of born again Christians a lot of I suppose born again hybrid Christians um, believe you know live their lives more by the teachings of Jesus rather than the Old Testament mm. still very interesting, interesting. Not trying to convert anybody. I am not a Christian. I don't uh, participate in organized religion, but it is something to be understood. I have my very special disorganized religion that's um, very fun. It's, um, you know, it's like a a pick and mix. Just something new every day. I have a pencil case that my cousin gave me that says stay in your magic. And it's got (laughs) crystals. It's got AA pamphlets. It's got a meditation. It's got some aphorisms. It's got a prayer to God. <laughs> um, well, whatever amazing. gets you through. That's that story was wild. I have never heard the like of it. That's brilliant, Cassie. Thank you. Um, so there is a HBO documentary that was released yesterday called um, "Pray, Obey, Kill." Great title. Oh my God, amazing! Great title. I wonder if it's going to come to Sky Atlantic. Probably. Although some reviews so I, said, by that I read some reviews that said, don't bother with it. Mm, I think well, the HBO, as as me, a person, a completely anonymous, you know, person, I think if HBO is looking for some feedback, things are sliding over there a little bit. Hmm. I think so. I thought the, um, the Nexium doc was about four episodes too long. Absolutely. We're getting a lot of that. that Tighten her up. Okay, Jen, come on. Speaking of tighten her up. Speaking of docuseries, I've got another one for you. I watched the first episode of this last night. It was sensational. It's sensational. And I recommend it for all of us. It's exactly what we like. It's a nice mystery with, you know, light on the murder, but heavy on the weirdness. This is all about an art heist. So the series is called This Is A Robbery and it's a fucking must watch. So I'm one episode in and I was like, what is this? How have I never heard about this? It's amazing, right? It took place, this heist, in 1990. And uh, it in this museum that I had also never heard of called the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum, which is in Boston. And it's fucking amazing. So from the outside looks very ordinary, like five or six story building, okay? But then you go in and it's kind of a replica of a Renaissance balconied, so there's an atrium in the center of the building and it's just jam-packed full of 
this lady, Isabella Stewart Gardner's American collection of, it's not American, her collection of art, which was, we're talking Rembrandt's, Vermeer's, uh, absolutely amazingly valuable. And um, it's an amazing museum. So she died, Mm. left all her shit to the public um, of Boston. And this is her museum, which she did build as well. And it's absolutely an amazing so museum. You go in, all the rooms are sort of like living rooms, all in you know all of I don't know what era, but it's it's unlike a kind of sterile museum that you might think of in your mind. It's a total experience situation, yeah. right? So it's a, so kind of like immersive, like they've re- totally. recreated her kind of her what way she would have housed it. Exactly. What with the way the original pieces would have been housed at the time okay, that they were yeah. being painted. So the year is 1990 and it is St. Patrick's Day. So we're rolling on into the evening. We're in so Boston. The a shitload yeah. of Irish people. It's a huge, big party night. St. Paddy's Day. There's beads flying everywhere. Shot glasses hanging off necklaces. Bits of green shite floating everywhere. And it's a hoodie, I just hate right? It so much as as a day. It's I know most. it's very depressing, it, especially in a kind of an Americanized version, because it just boils us all down to drunken assholes. We are those things, but we're so much Only more. Sometimes. Only, Only on sometimes. Only sometimes. Just not of a Thursday. So anyway, so uh, we're 1990. It's about well, I can give you the exact time. So we're at midnight. Okay, so the. Art museum's obviously closed, but it has a security team. The security team consists of two very young men and uh, sort of hippie type guys. You know, this one particular guy goes by the name Rick Abbott. Okay, visualize this. Uh, Extremely long, nipple length, very curly, brown hair. Slender gentleman with a crocheted bum bag. Oh, stunning. Age 23. Music school dropout. Really nice guy. But, you know, heading up the security of the of this particular museum <laughs> of valuables. Such a bizarre choice for this role. Such a bizarre oh. choice. I agree, so. Get but HR part, on the phone. But part of the, part of the weird choice might have been that there's kind of, there was just no way they expected a heist. Like, I'd say the three of us could have gotten into this place with relative ease. Okay, so here's the here's the scene. St. Patrick's Day, St. Patrick's evening. A lot of shit going on in terms of noise. People walking by. It's twelve at night. People are starting to go home, but there's kind of like activity in the streets. Uh, there's two security guards. Um, our guy Richard has just finished his round, and he's relieved the other guy whose name I can't remember. And uh, so he's back in his hut. And there's like a security hut. And the other guy's just doing the rounds, as in walking around the museum. Ding dong on the little intercom. And he says, wonder who that is? Presses the button. Little screen lights up. And it's two guardy outside. And they say to him, we've gotten a, hello, sir. We've gotten a report of a disturbance. Oh, let us in now. Right. So the two lads come into sort of the lobby area before the security hut. Anna, yeah, I'm picturing get... legitimate Gardaí, by the way. They're well, not, yeah. Well, they're police, as it turns out, well, they're dressed very like policemen, but <gasps> surprise, they're not. they're not. So anyway, 
So Richard <laughs> says in this interview he did with uh, MovieMaker.com, uh, I could see on the security camera that it looked like two cops just standing out there. They came into the door. They rang the bell. They said, Boston police, we got a report of some disturbance on the premises. So I buzzed them in. So there's a very good sense that Richard was high. He didn't say he was, but there's a feeling of marijuana about him. And uh, so his, his retelling of what happened, you know yourself. Anyway, they asked me if I was alone, he says. I said, I said, no, my partner was off doing the rounds. They said, get him down here. Then one of the cops turned to me and said, don't I know you? Don't I recognize you from somewhere? I think there's a warrant out for your arrest. Can you step out from behind the desk now? And then he said, up against the wall. And uh, so Richard is up against the wall, right? And at that point, uh, one of the the other guard said, gentlemen, this is a robbery. Yes! So the two security guards are at this point duct taped. Now I have to share with you what, let me get my screen back. I have to look at myself here again. Gross. Uh, I'm going to put a a picture up behind me of the type of, uh, let's see, what do you call it? Duct taping that happened to Richard. When eventually, I'll get to this point, when they were found in the basement, alive, both security guards, this is how Richard looked. Is this right? Oh yeah, hang on, I'll get out of the way here. Do you see what I'm saying there? Jesus, Richard. So Richard has what can be described as an elaborate Halloween costume. That's going to be murder to get back off. He looks like Jesus at a stag. Totally. So the guards, when they found him, I should start going. To the good. He does he have does the most like luscious kind of Jesus-y Jesus hair. Right? So anyway, when they were found. The apostles have just really fucked one over on Jesus. So this is, how, this is how Richard was found later on by the guard, the police, Before I should start calling them guards. But the police, and they're interviewed in this first episode of this Netflix series, and they say, very unusual use of masking tape. <laughs> Basically, is what the police Do you know say. what he looks like, like, actually? He looks like me wrapping up the Creep of the Week mugs to send out. That's what exactly. your mug will look like if it exactly. arrives to your house. Jesus' <laughs> head wrapped in masking tape. Right. So, right. These guys, security guys, uh, uh, the two 20 odd year olds with the, with the, you know, crocheted bum bags down in the basement with art attack masking tape action. So meanwhile, back upstairs, the two policemen robbers get to work. Right. And it is fucking interesting the way they approach this heist. So. Let me just get here. So basically, they got away with 13 pieces of art valued at about 200 million at the time dollars. That's now been, and that's now worth about half a billion, 500 million. (gasps) So we're talking Rembrandts, Degas, Manets. But what's so strange about the way they did this were, okay, they headed, they knew where they were going. They went to an area called the Dutch Room. That, of course, was all the Dutch masters. So that's all the fucking pricey gear. You know yourself, you know, all that kind of good gear. So they go up, they go straight to the Dutch master's room and they get to work. But what was so fucking weird about the way they took down, so they took down these huge paintings. Uh, One, I think it's Rembrandt's, the only seascape he did. I think it was the most valuable piece they took and it is fucking huge. And they took what they presume is just a scalpel and instead of 
clicking kind of the photograph or sorry the pieces out of the frame they just yeah. cut them out right yeah and there's a suggestion there that they thought that they maybe could roll them do you know mm. what i'm saying which of course yeah. you can't because they're cracky. stiff and cracky yeah. so yes so there's a feeling from what they've what they've what the robbers have left behind that they didn't really know what they were doing at all so remind anyway. us just was this in the early 90s this was 1990 because mm, i remember i feel like there was do you remember the original batman yes uh, i feel like there was a robbery an art robbery in that where they did uh scalpel out the paintings yes. and roll them up and i was like maybe that was their maybe that was the extent of their research well, they were like oh yeah so. we'll just do it like the way they did in batman maybe you would sort of that it, that could the timeline be the case. might not line up I must, I kind of so I'll tell you about the timeline. Anyway, they were in there for eighty minutes, which is a fucking mm. long ass time. And also, <sighs> so the whole first episode of this series is sort of it's setting us up for kind of a, a few different potential outcomes here. Basically, these pieces of art were never found, uh, which is fucking interesting as well because they were so valuable and so iconic. There's just no way they could have reappeared on the market for sale. Right, mm. which might suggest that maybe they were stolen, you know, with a sh- somebody with a shopping list. So a very, very wealthy individual with a taste for the Dutch masters sent these yes. fucking lads out on a mission. Okay, but again, that doesn't necessarily hold up because there has not been a fucking whisper of even a single one of these pieces since. So even if you were some kind of like they described it in the show as like a Bond supervillain who just yeah. had a basement full of these masterpieces that he would, you know, self-flagellate in front of and never tell a soul. Like it's very yeah. unlikely that Jesus. somebody wouldn't dob him in because wait for totally. this. Or that he'd resist putting them on Instagram. Well, like, that exactly so. Some you point. just have to gloat on one level. You and if you even did a shadow of gloating, that person you gloated to would initially be up for a million dollars, no questions asked, award for information, which by now, in this year of our Lord 2021, you would get 10 million quid for no questions asked oh information. God. So that make me means that theory sort of out the fucking window. So the guards were called, sorry, I keep saying the guard, the police, the Boston police were called and they were like, this is out of our league we need the FBI FBI arrive and start looking into what the fuck happened here so the first episode definitely is suggesting to us that our much loved Jesus on a stag had something to do with this right Richard right before he did his round uh, sorry before at the end of his round before he relieved the other guy he went down and opened the outside door we don't know why okay but that was a weird move. Maybe he was going out for a smoke. We don't know. And then went back to his post. Ten minutes later, two fake guards arrive. So we're thinking, Richard, what the fuck is this about? Here's another thing about Rick, Richard, whatever his name is. One of the, so I think all of the theft happened in one room, the Dutch master's room. There was one other piece, the other end of the gallery that was stolen. And there's kind of various trip alarms and they were back in the 90s here so there's no mm. we don't have kind of it's not we like don't have mission any, impossible it's not like mission impossible but what, what they did have was some kind of so they had the security vhs tapes running that was taken by the robbers they had another type of security which was 
uh, movement, a kind of alarm attached to the frames. And that would send back to what looked like a fax machine and that would live print out these reams of paper and they would kind of log the times and dates of when shit was moved. Now, Mm. the robbers ripped the paper off as they were taking the VHS. But what they didn't know was that the hard drive on that thing was also recording the events. So that's how we know this piece on the other end of the gallery was moved. And the timing-wise doesn't quite line up. So it's looking a bit like Richard might have taken that. Third person. We don't know. And that would suggest he was in cahoots with the two guards. And also the weird elaborate kind of no, absolutely no harm came to the two lads in the basement. Like, why the fuck wouldn't you just kill them? You're stealing 200 Mm. million euros worth of art. Why Mm. do you give a shit about the lives of these two men who could potentially identify you because they've seen your fucking face? So that all that shit sort of uh, hovering around the air in the first episode. They're also, they also, so obviously FBI get involved and they're like, right, who's in the area? Is there anyone with kind of history of uh, theft of art? And I tell you, they interview in the, in the documentary and the guards talk about probably the most exciting villain, art villain I've ever seen. Let me get his proper name up here. So there's a couple of like, uh, his name is Miles Connor right he's a local art thief believe it or not who had actually stolen a rembrandt uh before now miles it is just this fucking amazing renaissance criminal man his dad was a policeman his half brother was also a policeman his other brother was a priest and then there was miles miles was in mensa he w- he ha- he was also had this amazing mu- musical career uh, he was like this fucking rock and roll guy. He was only like five foot nothing. This little genius guy, okay? Like Del Boy. So uh, they were like, this has got fucking Miles written all over it. Um, but Miles had an alibi. He was in jail already. So they were like, <sighs> but it just smacks of Miles. So Miles was actually interviewed in the first episode of this. And it is probably, uh, it's just amazing. You gotta get, you gotta get in. So we're only at the beginning there's a load of other theories to come further down the line. But the bottom line here is uh, we're going to get wrapped up, I think, later on in mob action. And there's also a connection to Dublin from um, an IRA kind of. Now, uh, no more spoilers, but that's just the top line. I'm absolutely bet in. But uh, so but, uh, here's where we stand now. There's a 10 million quid uh, r- reward for any information on this shit. This guy, Colin Barnacle, is the guy who made this Netflix series. And he's been working on this series for 10 years. He grew up down the road. He was only four when the heist happened. But he's absolutely played a blinder with the interviews. He obviously knows he's just working perfectly, right? And he's also hoping that uh, this series sort of jogs something loose, right? It's also terrible because it's great. But there was a lady interviewed. She was the... Um, director of the gallery. She had only been the director for six months when this fucking heist happened. She was the first female director of the gallery as well. So it was a big gig. And then this fucking shit happens. And the media just went for her, right? First question. Exactly. What are you doing hiring this Richard guy with a goddamn bun bag at the age of 23 to mind this incredible, incredibly valuable collection? And she was like, "I, I didn't even know who this kid is. I'm here six months. Anyways. That's definitely not the right answer to give to that question, I know. though. 
I know. Too. She was I just like, I don't Who know. Who is he? I'm Jesus. I said, that's fine. He's a good guy. Must be a good guy. But she obviously was oh devastated. Well, she just couldn't believe it. One What's more it thing again? they took, which I thought was interesting. Oh, yeah. Uh, so right they were doing all so they got the Vermeers they've got they've got a self they didn't match it right guys so you know how I was talking about talking about that seascape uh, the storm on the Sea of Galilee sorry that was Vermeer huge big piece that they it looks mm. like they just scalpeled out of the frame which sort of implies like that they didn't have time so meanwhile so they did that but then they also found this very tiny uh, it's about the postage stamp um, sized print of I think it's a self-portrait of who the fuck Rembrandt or something right I'm, I'm getting that wrong I know I am but it doesn't matter that's not the point they clipped out this tiny postage stamp they carefully removed the back of it so they have this so like why the fuck did they do that with this way less valuable piece and just scalpel so it looks like at some point right they reckon that the lads had police um, scanners with them because uh, you know they were there 80 minutes but there was obviously a skirmish and they rushed to leave thinking they were going to be caught or they picked something up on the radio mm. and mm. in doing so they were just kind of pocketing things as they were coming out and they took a, there was a flag a Napoleonic flag and they took this uh, what do they call it um, oh god I can't remember the name of it but basically it's like a bronze eagle that sits atop so it's not oh, yeah. the interesting thing about the flag. It's like the bit on top, pocketed yeah, that, it's like the legged it out. Little holder kind yeah, of exactly. topper. But it's fucking, it is very, very interesting. It's anyway, like taking the little po- plastic podium that the Hope Diamond is sitting on. Exactly so. So uh, the Netflix series is called This Is A Robbery. And this, uh, you got to get in. Get in, get in, get in, get on. It get sounds under. brilliant. It really on is. On this, have you ever read The Goldfinch by Donna Tartt? No, it's I obviously have heard of it. Absolutely brilliant book, and it's like about the kind of central character when he's very young steals this incredible piece of art, and it's it's just fascinating because it's really it goes very into that this world of like you know dealing art, dealing antiques, the kind of uh, nefarious methods and modes, and the kind of underbelly of it all. And oh, I love it. It's it's such a good book. Like, it's brilliant. I love it. Um, and that's a real, like, uh, you know, the the underbelly meets the highest echelons of, you know. Exactly. Yeah. And it's a, t- it's a real fuck you to the system. So it's absolutely brilliant. I love it And all. also, like, it's so interesting because all art is stolen more or less, like, from the cultures that, it, you know, it's originated from. That's true. You know, just everything. Look at the British you know, Museum. Marbles. Mar- yes. uh, yeah, yeah. Just like the absolute pillaging of um of the art of other countries mm-hmm. is you know a tradition for centuries mm-hmm. it's mad mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But all as you say Love the it. kind of veneer of respectability that's it you know it's, it's juicy that's just say i thought was incredible incredible absolutely brilliant will yeah. i do a yeah. little couple of uh, you know live tweets that really weren't as funny as the author's fucking thought yeah um, to see us out um Okay, so when do you think, okay, first off, when do you think the very first incident of somebody live tweeting an event happened? Hmm. Uh, 1984. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, well, no, pretty early on into Twitter's birth, I presume. Like, I think, am I, would we say that we're kind of correct in saying that like the live tweeting was really the bread and butter of like 2015? 
Okay, 2016. Oh, yeah. That's correct. Yeah, yeah. That's when they were always kind of like, someone live tweeted a bakery fire and it was hilarious. Oh, fucking hell. Anyway, the first live tweeting incident I found was in 2008. Oh, much later. Oh, that's only like two years into Twitter. Much earlier, yeah. And and it's kind of bad. Like, in terms of like, think about taking the medium and immediately taking it to the worst fucking place you can possibly imagine to bring it. This journalist live tweeted the funeral of a child. Oh my God. In Colorado. And he did it from his newspaper's Twitter account. What a fucking so moron took it upon himself to go to the memorial service of a three-year-old child who had died tragically when a pickup truck crashed into an ice cream shop like fucking Why, hell. what could be what where's the interest i mean obviously it's incredibly sad and sad for the family but why why well like a journalist would attend something like that but usually there'd be an agreement you know with the family for example that like Journalists might wait outside yeah. if they're going to be there or something like that. Um, what an idiot. But he went and he, yeah, and he decided, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use this new microblogging service called Twitter. And um, yeah, he uh, obviously took, you know, the idea of the live Twitter thread, a burgeoning idea at the time, to a very uh, low, low depth. And how was um, it received? And Oh my God. Um, so at the time, right, this is interesting. At the time, there was like 2.9 million Twitter users, so 3 million, as opposed mm-hmm. to like, I guess right now, there might be about 2 million Twitter users in Ireland alone, like, mm-hmm. you know the way. And um, like, so this piece that I was reading about it was like really laying out Twitter for the reader, which is really funny. So it was like, tw- Twitter's users update as they go about their daily lives. From their cell phones, members can send, quotation marks, tweets, 140 character real-time messages about their plans for the day, people they just encountered, or simply what they ate for lunch. It's so kind of adorable that this is what like early Twitter was, or certainly what it was perceived as. And so then, um, you know, this journalist's decision to microbog the child's funeral, pretty, pretty fucking horrific. Um I think some of the quotes, though, despite the horrific nature of this live thread, um, it's uh, the quotes about Twitter that I really enjoy. So one person is like, um, uh, an, an actor from the area was quoted as saying, not sure if she'd use Twitter to cover the event, but didn't see a major difference between, and this is how the newspaper has put it, Twittering the event and writing about it later. I love that. I'm sad that Twittering never came up on and never kind of, you know, became part of the just vernacular. Di- just didn't stick. Just didn't stick. Very sad. But anyway, I mean, all things considered, you know, it was basically like, no, this is highly uncalled for. <laughs> Don't do this. So cut to like five, six years later, people are live tweeting all over the shop. Like, okay, so... In 2014, one of the original um, Twitter employees live tweeted her birth. Um, oh my God. So you know the way all the originals on Twitter, they're just like at... Just at name. Yeah, at Claire. Yeah. What's the founder again? At... Jack Dorsey. Jack. At Jack, yeah. Um, so anyway, she's at Claire. And um, she 
did what has to be one of the most tedious and boring live tweets of labor that's ever, ever been committed to the internet. Um, it, honestly, she doesn't deserve her at Claire. Somebody needs to give her at Claire to at Tyra. Do you remember that amazing woman who live tweeted her labor alone in the hotel bathroom a few years later oh my god yes um anyway yes. so this like live tweeted birth was like a world first in 2014 apparently um she literally is like never misses an opportunity for a bit of product placement and um, she tweets contractions five minutes apart my at twitter jacket on headed to hospital hashtag in labor and she's got this like really irritating kind of like utility anorak um that's like branded at twitter at claire on her back painful i don't know why the anorak element bothering me so intensely but also just this is really really a boring ass labor i can't believe somebody could take labor and actually make it boring but this twitter thread does moving on okay so everyone remembers plain bay i presume no no do you guys not it's ringing a few bells. This is interesting. Okay, so hashtag Plain Bay um, went viral. Um, <laughs> uh, and it was all like this one woman was live tweeting the two people in front of her on the plane um, having like a cute meet and falling for each other. Oh, okay? I remember this. Yes. Yes. And so at the beginning of it, um, this woman, Rosie, who is the tweeter, um had asked to switch seats with a woman behind her so that she could sit with her boyfriend back there. And the woman moved into Rosie's seat in front of them. And Rosie sort of said, oh, maybe like your new seat partner will be the love of your life. Um, And then the next thing was that the two of them in front of Rosie and her boyfriend actually started to seem like they were getting along. And Mm. uh, so they started kind of like live tweeting it. and she's got updates like, guess what? They have been talking nonstop since we took off. They're both personal trainers. They have touched arms a few times. They're both vegetarians. And so it goes on. She's like updating um, updating all along. No one's ordered drinks yet, but they are sharing a cheese board, a protein board. And all of the imagery is photographs taken through the plane seats. So all you can see of these people is like their ear and their shoulder. Um, And she's kind of like, she's transcribing their conversation. So she's got like him. This is my mom. Her. OMG, your mom is so hot. Um, Next, uh, pictures of Rosie and her boyfriend just listening, saying this is compelling stuff. Um, And... She's now offering her take on the encounter. So she said, important detail. This plane has no AC. The flight attendants keep handing out water. I'm doing a really obnoxious American voice and I'm enjoying it. It's very convincing. Keep handing out water. Why would you sit closer to your seat partner unless you want to smooch? Okay. So Rosie is like really projecting. Okay. And now the hashtag plane bay is starting to... Um, gain momentum online 
and Rosie is resharing like loads of people's reactions to what's going on in real time. And she's saying on her story, I wish these people knew how many people are rooting for them. Um, we've got one woman got my Diet Coke and heading to the break room at work for this. So like people are now tuning in real time um sharing their own um reaction faces so rosie has tweeted she just put her hand on his shoulder for like a second and then this other woman called for beck's sake which is a great uh, handle has, sh- Very good. has shared her own um like Ooh, get it girl um so the hand on the shoulder gesture major caused ructions Okay, Rosie's updating us. They just started talking about what they want out of life. Marriage, kids, etc. He says he's been too dedicated to his fitness to pursue relationships. That's all I got. Now they're talking so quiet. Okay, so she's listening. You are well done on alienating all of our American Everyone, guys, love you. I just feel like this thread. This thread is nothing without me being super obnoxious as well. Okay. She has taken the stalking out of the plane. People apparently concerned that they were going to lose, not get closure on this anecdote. And mm-hmm. um, Rosie's talking to them saying, don't worry, I'm following the story to baggage claim. I will have answers for you. Next, next shot. She is behind them walking through the airport. <laughs> As they just wheel their little wheelie suitcases. She's just captioned it. OM fucking J. They're still walking together. Um, so then um, <laughs> they finally got one half of the Plain Bay couple. Okay. The final um, installment from Rosie and her boyfriend was that they discovered that the Plain Bay couple began following each other on social media. And... Mm. Um, uh, they both live in the same city, okay? So then Plain Bay Man, right? So the man of the couple, we learn that his name is Holden. And so he oh, sees so the whole man. thread, recognizes himself and starts tweeting using the hashtag, hashtag catching flights and feelings, okay? So I guess that's his way of being like, yep, liked that. And he then like, you know, he's into fitness, he's pushing his own thing, you know, struggling actor, also looking for clients, starts to really lean into being one half of Plain Bay. Mm-hmm. So much so that Holden, Rosie, and her boyfriend all appear on the Today Show. Hilarious. The other half of Plain Bay, the woman who has been identified only as Helen, has asked, but I imagine fucking begged to remain anonymous. She was stalked all over the internet. Uh, having her entire plane journey uh, be chronicled for strangers against her will without her permission. And um, I think it's probably been a massive fucking ball ache for her. Um, so that was Plain Bay. They all had, uh, they dined out on that for, um, you know, hot hot 15 minutes, as is the kind of, you know, norm. Um, but it definitely threw up some like, I suppose, ethical issues about, you know, whether live just tweeting com- events happening around you was a fair thing to do or not. Yeah, I think anything that involves taking pictures or commenting on other people's actions and publishing them on the internet is ethically 
Amaro. Very um, dubious. In fact, not. all the way yeah. over into Amaro. Yes, you're absolutely yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you want to hear a couple more? There is Plain Bay, um, the breakup version. Oh, so this yes. this was in 20. Here we are being like, this is completely Amaro, but give me more. But give us. This happened in 2015 and this was um, a woman who decided, I mean, imagine witnessing a couple breaking up across the aisle from you on a delayed flight, right? So this was a fucking grounded flight. They hadn't taken off yet, but no, like, you know, they were in that horrific, you know, that 40 minutes of waiting on the tarmac and you see some harrowing shit going down. You're like, I must chronicle this for strangers. So anyway, this woman, Kelly Keeks, Kelly Keeks, hey guys, um, tweets out, this guy on the plane just broke up with his girlfriend and she is sobbing. And this is accompanied by a picture taken across a plane aisle of a, you can see this guy kind of slumped in a t-shirt looking a bit like, oh, can't believe I have to do this. And a woman like kind of crouched on her seat, like she's pulled her knees up, arms around her face. Like clearly That's terrible. Just, just a such a sad, dejected, defensive position. Tweet has twelve point five thousand hearts. <laughs> Why? Here we go, Kelly Keegs. She's providing the actual dialogue. Guy, I just can't stand you. I can't be near you. I would switch seats if I could. Guy continued. <sighs> Is this really a surprise? Are you seriously surprised at this information? Girl. Great. Just great. I'm so glad I paid 40 extra dollars to be on this fucking flight with you. Guy. I don't care. Girl. I'm glad you don't care. Girl. It's just so mean. Do I deserve this? Why are you bringing this up? I don't want to be this girl. I don't want to be her. I want to be my best for you and you won't let me. Is that what you're starting to do with me? Just slow fade me out, just like the others. Oh, how fucking relatable is this, by the way? Um, Kelly Keegs interjects, this is the greatest plane delay I've ever had. Oh my God. I mean, think it, but don't say it and don't tweet it to 2,000 likers on the internet. Girl, God, you don't even understand why I'm fucking sad. You hate everything about me. Girl, why is this so easy for you? It's just that fucking easy. What do you want from me? Guy, you need to calm down. In fact, he's American, oh, yeah. so hang on. You need to calm down. Girl. Uh, Sophie, that sounded the exact same. No, no, no. <laughs> Americans present, pronounce the L in calm. They say calm. 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 Do you hear it? You need to yes. listen to Oprah's Super Soul Sundays to understand this. Calm. Okay. You need to calm down. Girl. To me, I just really thought, you know, this was going to go somewhere. Kelly Keegs interjects to explain that there is now loud sobs. Oh my God. <gasps> now she's shared another picture. And the picture shows the guy still kind of slumped and uncomfortable. Girl um, still has knees up on the chair. Um, she's kind of looking away and she's definitely obviously trying to compose herself in this horrific scenario. Kelly Keegs has tweeted, few stoic minutes here. <laughs> okay girl says well what makes you so fucking special girl you should probably just stop talking just stop talking I'm gonna ask Charlotte this is the girl speaking I'm gonna ask Charlotte I'm gonna ask her the minute we get home and you'll see we'll see if your stories match so Kelly Keegs is like OMG scandal who's Charlotte 
Guy, I can't discuss this anymore. Girl, so I'm not worth your time. Kelly Keegs has let us know that there are silent sobs and lots of <sighs> sniffling. Kelly Keegs update. What the fuck? Now they're making out. I'm not kidding. <laughs> she goes on to say, we took off. They immediately ordered six vodkas and Bloody Mary mix for the 50 minute flight and chugged them in silence between makeouts. What? <laughs> Roller coaster. Um, the ultimate fate of this couple we will never know except that they consumed six vodkas and a Bloody Mary in under 50 minutes and turned a very embarrassing public breakup into a disgusting public um, tongue sort of space session. sex session do you even call exactly. that public display of affection it's more like public display of I don't know detest um, Just... obviously <laughs> plain bay and no, sorry, hashtag plain breakup trended massively and Kelly Keats gained 7,000 followers from the entire thing. Um, there is numerous first dates that were um, uh, live tweeted, okay? Um, will I, I feel like we've gone very long. I, I could do my last two live tweets over on the uh, the hive if we like. Will we do that? Yeah, bring them bring them to the hive. Bring them to the hive. So for the ones that Nothing I'm like do a cliff on the hive ranking. are um, a hellish date that takes place in a Japanese restaurant. And like some of these fucking headlines really do overstate it, but this one really is pretty hellish. It's, it's, it is worth it. It's a good listen. There is also a, another overheard breakup, this time on a rooftop that I really enjoyed. And um, and then I think probably the cherry on top, um, the man who live tweeted um, his roommate murdering her boyfriend. Oh, God. <gasps> okay, we'll see you on the high. Dun, 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 Can't dun. wait. Visit Thank you all. Thank you for coming. Visit slash the creek dive if you want to join. That's where you'll find an unbelievable volume of too much stuff. <laughs> too much. <laughs> Look, we're Quantity never not too over much. quality. <laughs> we'll okay. see you next week, and Bye. we'll see you on Thursday for the Hive. Bye. Bye. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study. People that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Need new glasses or want a fresh new style? Warby Parker has you covered. Glasses start at just 95 bucks, including anti-reflective, scratch-resistant prescription lenses that block 100% of UV rays. 
Every frame's designed in-house, with a huge selection of styles for every face shape. And with Warby Parker's free home try-on program, you can order five pairs to try at home for free. Shipping is free both ways, too. Go to warbyparker.com slash covered to try five pairs of frames at home for free. warbyparker.com slash covered.